Welcome back to our Hope Anthem podcast. We are so excited to share five brand new episodes with you today from our Young Communicators Weekend. Every year, Pastor Jared spends countless hours developing and training up young communicators in our church. We don't use the term young communicator to necessarily reference these speakers being young in age, but rather being young in their stage of communicating God's word. We are all about equipping, empowering, and encouraging the next generation of communicators in our church. This episode is brought to you by Joe Corbin. Check it out. It's good to see everybody here. Welcome, everybody, to Hope Anthem Church here in Garnett. Um, Of course, as you know, my name is Joe. I'm one of the worship leaders serving alongside you. Uh, And I'm originally from Edgerton campus, or campus, Kansas, sorry, uh, where I went to church there for years growing up. Um, I currently live all the way in good old Lawrence, Kansas, uh, which is a fun time. But I plan to move down to Ottawa in August of this year, so I'm really looking forward to that. But um, I went to Ottawa University to get a bachelor's degree in engineering, um, and it was at OU that I met my beautiful fiancé and best friend, Amanda Snedeker, uh, who helps lead worship too. Um, one of my favorite things to say about with my relationship with Amanda, uh, I almost said Amanda, um, with Amanda is that it was worshiping God that brought us together. Yes. Both of us went to Chi Alpha Campus Ministries at OU, um, and it was led by our very own Pastor Jeremiah Walters, who's the drummer uh, over at um, the campus in Ottawa. And uh, one night, uh, Trevor Jones, who leads worship at Hope Anthem uh, in Ottawa, uh, he was not able to make it uh, to lead worship for the Chi Alpha service. And so I barely knew how to play guitar, so naturally I volunteered. Um, and uh, I, uh, you know, I didn't, well, at the time I wasn't comfortable with singing, uh, but I knew somebody who was coming to Chi Alpha who could sing beautifully. And so I texted Amanda, I was like, hey, do you want to come sing at Chi Alpha on Wednesday night? It was Tuesday night. Um, <laughs> yes, um, I think that's how that went. Uh, but uh, anyways, um, I knew she was part of the choir, so I reached out to her. Uh, she said yes, and we've been spending time together and worshiping Jesus together ever since. Uh, so thank you, Amanda. And thank you. Thank you very much to all of my family and friends that are here. Uh, man, it's good to see you guys here. I love you guys a ton. So um, thank you guys. So. Um, I've been working currently full-time at an engineering firm up in Lawrence, um, but I love being a part of this church. Uh, it may be a drive, but it's totally worth it. Um, in just the last seven months, it's been an incredible blessing to be here uh, because I'm surrounded by incredible people who love Jesus. Um, if you're new to this church or new to hearing about Jesus at all, I encourage you to connect with someone, whether it be myself or Pastor Stan or Mel. Um, his wonderful wife, or, or any of our amazing prayer partners, uh, it's, it's just really good to connect. Like That's what we're all about, connecting with people in fellowship under the banner of Jesus Christ. That's right. Um, That's right. But yeah, so now, out of that out of the way, let's dive in. So as, as Pastor Jared, who's the, uh, the lead pastor, senior pastor over at Hope Anthem in Ottawa, as he regularly says at the beginning of every Hope Anthem service, here at Hope Anthem Church, we exist to be a church that anyone can come to. And one of the ways we do that is by being Christians that anyone can come to. Um, This is especially important for us to remember in light of the many confusing and difficult events happening here and around the world. 
One of the other things that we believe at Hope Anthem is that the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. And that phrase specifically comes from an organization known as the Bible Project, uh, which puts together tremendously helpful and free resources for people who want to learn more about the Bible. Uh, whether you've been spending in the word, time in the Word uh, for many years, or if you have absolutely no idea where to start, I highly recommend utilizing the free videos and resources provided on their website and on YouTube. It has helped me tremendously, especially as I've been trying to digest the, the message and the book that we'll be going through today, uh, as we take a look at a very small book in the Bible known as the book of Habakkuk. Some people pronounce it Habakkuk. They are wrong. Uh, it is Habakkuk. I'm kidding, I don't actually know, but every, every time I've heard it from really smart people, they say Habakkuk, so I'm going to go with that. Um, my prayer for today is that we all leave knowing how Habakkuk both points us to Jesus and helps us trust in Jesus. Now hear me very clearly, there's a lot to think about in this little book. It's very contemplative. Uh, and so I'm going to do my best to break it down so that we can get out of here sometime in the next like three hours or so. Um, just kidding. More like two and a half. <laughs> All right, so on to Habakkuk. So Habakkuk was a prophet who lived during a time of great turmoil, turmoil in Israel's history. The government was corrupt. Violence and idolatry were everywhere, and God's law was neglected. In summary, the book of Habakkuk both speaks to a certain point in Israel's history and looks forward to the coming of God's justice through his anointed one. Now that term anointed one in Hebrew is uh, related to the term Messiah, which is one of the terms that we use to refer to Jesus. Um, this book displays a beautiful and poetic conversation between Habakkuk the prophet and God, which is unique because most of the other prophetic books in the Bible uh, are more so God speaks to the prophet and then the prophet speaks that out to the Israelites because they were doing some stupid things um, or to other nations. But this is a conversation and which makes it very unique. And Habakkuk has to deal with some pretty serious issues and he asks some pretty serious questions of God. Uh, he questions, uh, or he asks questions that I believe all of us wrestle with at some point in our lives. And here they are. Number one, do you believe that God is good? in what he says, and in what he does. And number two, do you believe that God is just? Are we okay with the fact that God loving our enemies is part of his goodness? Or even that he sometimes chooses to use our enemies to accomplish his purposes? And I say enemies in air quotes. Um, but that he uses sometimes our enemies to accomplish his purposes which can be part of his justice. Though God's goodness and justice are holy attributes, they are not the same. God's goodness refers to his kind blessings and moral uprightness towards his creation. And his justice refers to how God deals with the righteous and the wicked perfectly. He is without fault as a judge in a, court, in, in a courtroom setting. God has set a standard for righteousness because he is God. We as human beings are made in his image, which means that God's standard of righteousness for us is simply a reflection of his character. This standard is not meant to be burdensome, because, but because of sin, which is essentially rebelling against God, 
We all regularly fail to meet this standard that he has set. In short, all of us have sinned against God. And if you have an issue with this, my only response is that next time you speak the universe into existence, you get to make the rules. Until then, God calls the shots. This brings us to Habakkuk, which is located towards the end of the Old Testament. Uh, essentially, it's boiled down in the following structure. Habakkuk complains, and then God responds. And then Habakkuk complains again, and then God responds again. And the book ends with Habakkuk uh, giving an exclamation of hope and a prophetic word um, in God and what he's doing. So let's dive into his first complaint, starting in chapter 1. Verse 2, it says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Boy, does that sound familiar. <clears throat> the law has become paralyzed. There is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. How often have you felt this about our current state of our country and of the world? How often have you felt this about your personal situation, especially the part about being surrounded by people who love to argue and fight, <laughs> whether that be on Facebook or otherwise? So how does God respond to Habakkuk? His first response, starting in uh, verse 5, the Lord replied, look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands, and they are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. It goes down in uh, verse 10, I skip down and said, God says, uh, They mock kings and rulers are a joke to them. They laugh at every fortress and build siege ramps to capture it. Then they sweep by like the wind and pass through. They are guilty for their strength is their God. God basically says, Habakkuk, you're not going to believe this, but I'm paving the way for the evil Babylonian empire to bring my justice against Israel. To which Habakkuk responds with his second complaint. Before we get to that, though, there's an important word that we need to wrap our minds around, and that is God's sovereignty. God is in control over his entire creation, and nothing happens outside of what he commands or what he allows. We see this in Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 28, which says, we know, all, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. And again, in Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 16 through 17, it says, For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Something to remember about God's sovereignty is there's certain things he, I said this specifically, certain things he commands and other things he allows, and it's important to understand the difference. Especially in view of Romans 28, 828. 
Now let's see uh, Habakkuk's second complaint. Uh, starting in verse 12, Habakkuk responds with, Are you not from eternity, Yahweh my God, my Holy One? You will not die. Lord, you appointed them to execute judgment. My rock, you destined them to punish us. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil, and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent while one who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? Those are some bold words to say to the God of the universe. <laughs> That's a bold statement. I mean, questioning God who formed him. He essentially responds with, you what? Why would you use the Babylonians? They're much worse than us Israelites. But this is, a, this is a crucial moment because it brings up an important point that is just as relevant to Habakkuk then as it is for us now. And that is, just as we must be careful not to use the sovereignty of God as a scapegoat, we must also remember not to neglect the sovereignty of God when we see injustice. Yeah. What this means is this, we must as Christians, we must still seek to do good deeds and tell the people of the world about Jesus. And we must remember that hope is never lost completely because it's ultimately not up to us. When we see bad things happen, we trust God is in control, but we also want to do something about it in as much as we can. We seek to be used by God to accomplish His purposes. As Pastor Jared said repeatedly earlier this year in a series called True and Better, God wants to partner with his creation. Now back to the text. By the end of his second complaint, Habakkuk tells God that he's waiting for an answer, waiting for God to defend his case. This reminds me of uh, the book of Job, where Job, when everything was taken away from him, he says some, he has some harsh words for God. Yet God knew his heart, and God did answer. Here's God's second response. The Lord answered me, write down this vision and clearly inscribe it on tablets so one may easily read it. For the vision is yet for the appointed time, and it testifies about the end and will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it, since it will certainly come and not be late. Look, his ego is inflated, he is without integrity, but the righteous one will live by his faith. A quick side note, this term, the righteous one will live by his faith, is found in Genesis when it's talking about Abraham and what he did by faith in God. And it was credited to, credited to him as righteousness. And it's also mentioned at least twice in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, uh, books of Romans and Galatians. And so this term, the righteous will live by their faith, is, is a very important tenet of all of Scripture. In the next portion of Habakkuk, God communicates three very important things, which you'll see clearly here in a moment. But first, uh, let's take a look at the rest of the conversation, where God confronts all evil nations and peoples, like the Babylon of that time, with five woes. And uh, in this case, a woe is not a response to something impressive, like when a kid goes to a toy store, you know, like, whoa, you know, like, it's not that, it's like, whoa, like, it's not good. It's a stern warning that something bad is about to happen to a person or a nation that does evil. So God says, number one, woe to the thieves who become rich by taking what isn't theirs. 
Number two, woe to those who trust their own wealth and, and, and with that and build it dishonestly. Number three, woe to those who trust their power and keep it through murder and corruption. So after the first three, wo three woes, you have to take a break um, because it's important to reflect on God's sovereignty in the midst of these woes. It's a natural pause in which Habakkuk kind of inserts, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's glory as the waters cover the sea. And then it picks up again with two more, two more woes. For, uh, number four is, uh, woe to the proud, to those who treat others poorly out of a false sense of superiority. And number five, woe to those who trust in anything other than God. This is called idolatry, and it alone, this last one, encapsulates every other one mentioned in the previous five, or previous four. From the worship of money, to the worship of power, to the worship of self, to the worship of anything else that is not God. God explicitly says, those who trust in anything or anyone that's not me is doomed. It's pretty heavy. And then we take another pause, and we remember God's sovereignty. Habakkuk writes, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let everyone on earth be silent in his presence. All of these voices today that spew out just constant hate, constant uh, aggravation, constant frustration, without ceasing, they will all be silent before the Lord. In that last verse, the end of what we see in chapter 2, it signals the end of God explicitly talking to Habakkuk in dialogue. What we know so far is that justice is coming against both Israel and Babylon for their idolatry. God's going to use Babylon to punish Israel, and then God's going to kick the tar out of Babylon. <laughs> so God chose to use Babylon as the means by which Israel is punished. However, God's, God continues to speak prophetically through Habakkuk chapter 3. And this is where it starts to get really good. This is where it's awesome. So in chapter 3, uh, starting verse 1, it says, This is the prayer that was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this, deep need, in this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. Skipping down to verse 13, Habakkuk is saying prophetically about God, you come out to save your people, to save your anointed. There's that term anointed that I mentioned earlier. You crush the leader of the house of the wicked and strip him from foot to neck. Selah. You pierce his head with his own spears. But this is where things really come together. So through their conversation, God reveals to Habakkuk these three important themes that help us better understand Scripture and better apply it to our lives. Number one, God calls out Babylon as this archetype, uh, this example of an evil, unjust human empire. And not just human, but spiritual as well. And this theme is carried on throughout the rest of the New Testament, especially in the book of Revelation. And not only that, but he shows us that every nation in the world, including our own, eventually becomes a Babylon. That's something that we, like, 
as Americans, as Christians, we have to remember that we love this country, we, we do what we can to serve this country, but we know that this country will eventually become a Babylon. So we stand up for what's right, we do what we can to share the gospel, and we know that this is not our ultimate home. And whenever you think of like that, that Babylon term, think of like the Imperial March from Star Wars, you know, the dun, 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 you know, think of that, like it's, like it's, uh, is that, like bad mamma jamma right there. Number two, uh, God reminds us that he is sovereign, even when the situation appears to be hopeless, as it did for Habakkuk from the beginning of this conversation with God. He was pretty upset. I mean, he was like, it just, it's all falling apart. It's all, it's all going to pieces. Even the, the Israelites, the, one, the chosen people of God, are disrespecting God with idolatry and sinning against him constantly. What am I to do? Number three, God reminds us that true justice is coming. And this is more than just the punishment of Babylon in that time. This is about justice that will come against evil and sin for all time. God sets himself up as a divine warrior and savior who is coming to save his people. This leads us to wonder, how is God going to bring about this justice? Well, there's a key word that I highlighted, the term selah. So the definition uh, of that word is not explicitly clear, uh, and unfortunately in some Bibles it's just removed in some verses. Um, it's generally used in scripture as a sort of pause. You'll see it in the Psalms quite a bit. It's like, a, like an interlude. Like You have to take a moment to think about what you just read and how it relates to you and how it relates to God and his order of the universe. And it also gives you a moment to ask, have I seen this anywhere else in the Bible? So I've highlighted the rest of these following phrases uh, back in Habakkuk to show you something really cool. It says, you come out to save your people, to save your anointed. You crush the leader of the house of the wicked and strip him from foot to neck. Selah. You pierce his head with his own spears. Does this sound familiar? <clears throat> well, let's turn to Genesis 3. Genesis 3, 13 through 15 says this. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the women and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. It's very, very subtle. But did you catch it? God in Habakkuk she points back to Genesis about a future promise that is fulfilled that one day an offspring or, or descendant of Eve would crush the head of the serpent or the leader of the house of the wicked. Habakkuk has shown that God in the form of a descendant of Eve will come to crush the leader of evil and bring true and lasting justice. And this descendant of Eve is Jesus so we can now see clearly in these few verses that God was pointing Habakkuk ahead to Jesus Christ, who as, the, as God and the offspring of Eve, so he's fully God and fully man, he would crush the head 
of the serpent, which is the leader of the house of the wicked. And we know that Jesus crushed this evil leader at the cross. He crushed him again at the resurrection three days later, and he'll finish it when he returns to bring true and lasting justice to all of creation forever. And this, this naturally would lead just about anybody, but especially leads Habakkuk to praise God in the midst of his current despair. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 through 19 says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, though there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, though gas prices are not dropping anywhere near what they used to be, though rent is not dropping, though utilities are increasing, all of these things that we struggle with here too, in spite of all these things, he says, yet I will triumph in Yahweh. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. He saw the salvation of God in Jesus in that moment, and he chose to praise him. Yeah, Yahweh, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. Despite the confusion and chaos of his external circumstances, the hope of Habakkuk is placed firmly in God's promises of justice and salvation. This justice and salvation is found in Jesus, the Son of God. All right, so let me give you a little bit of application, then we'll pray. So three questions to ask as you experience difficult situations in your life. Number one, are my circumstances bigger than God? Towards the obvious answer is no. Number two, is God sovereign? To which the obvious answer is yes. Number three, how can I choose to trust him in spite of his circumstances? Now you might be thinking to yourself, I have no idea what it looks like to trust in God. Well, I'm so glad you said something. Um, here are five simple ways that we can start trusting in God. Number one, if you haven't already done so, Turn from your sin and your own standard of righteousness and put your faith only in Jesus as both Savior and Lord. All of us have sinned and need a Savior. And Jesus is the only true Savior there is. Number two, practice gratefulness. Thank you, Lord, in your prayers. Thank you, Lord, for, for every good thing that you've blessed me and my family with. Number three, remind ourselves, as Habakkuk did, that God is sovereign. Lord, I know that even through everything, even though everything is falling apart, you are in control. Remind yourselves of God's sovereignty as Habakkuk did. Number four, remember that God is with you. It says in, in the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus says to his disciples, and lo, I am with you to the very end of the age. I'm with you always. Number five, last one, think about things that are excellent, praiseworthy, and good. So in other words, choose joy. Let's go ahead and pray here. Um, and as, as we consider these things, as we, as we pray before Almighty God, I, I want you to do, I want, I want to encourage you to think about 
and ask the question of God, God, what are you telling me today? In prayer, by yourself, ask God, what, what do I need to glean from this? I believe he will show it to you. Lord, God, we just thank you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your mercy and your grace through your son, Jesus. We thank you that all of scripture ultimately points to you. All of scripture looks forward to the day when you would come and defeat sin and death and the cross and to when you will come again and defeat evil for all time. Lord, we thank you for um, this opportunity to be here in this country uh, that is free. Lord, we thank you that um, we get uh, a voice, that we get a chance to worship you freely. And God, I pray that you would be with us the rest of this week as we have conversations with people who um, may be upset about the current state of this world. May we remind them of God's goodness, of his justice, and of his sovereignty. And Lord, thank you again for the book of Habakkuk and for the, for the Bible. Lord, that we can look into, into the past and look into your word and see how it applies to our lives today and worship you for it. Lord, I pray for all these people here that they would trust you in every aspect of their lives. Lord, I thank you. We praise you and we love you. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Thank you so much for listening to Hope Anthem Weekend Messages here on Spotify. We exist to bring an anthem of hope to our community, and we do that by being a church anyone can come to. Be sure to follow us here on Spotify and turn on notifications so you never miss a new podcast episode. We love you. See you next week.